You're listening to The Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our sermon today is the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday from the 15th chapter of St. Luke, verses 11 to 32. You ever watched a good magician? If you have, his tricks and illusions will prompt you to ask, how do you do that? Now, magicians will tell you that much of what they do happens by way of distraction. In other words, they get you to look one way intently, or they're doing something on the other way. And the result is, it stuns you. So get ready for some sleight of hand this morning in a story from Luke 15. Now what we have before us here is the third parable Jesus tells that corresponds to the criticism that he's been receiving from the fine, upstanding, church-going crowd. In the earlier part of chapter 15, he tells two parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin. But in the storytelling fashion of his day, the third illustration is the one that's to be the clincher. And in this one, Jesus does a pretty good job of distracting even today's hearers. Because most people call this the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. Now, the younger son in this story does live up that title, doesn't he? His request to his father is to divide the inheritance. And that request was an implicit wish for his father's death. Basically saying, dad, drop dead. You see, he not only wanted his inheritance more than his father's love, but he was willing to ask for it without regard to his father's heart. So upon hearing that story for the first time, we might say, that kid was really a jerk, wasn't he? I hope he gets what he deserves. And Jesus knows our thoughts. And he assures us in this story that the young man did not escape the consequences of his actions. The story tells us that a famine broke out in a far country. And we know that problems always seem to pile up, don't they? You lose your job, and the kids get sick, and a car breaks down, and so forth. The young man ended up having no money and no food. He's broke. He's homeless. No one, none of his newfound drinking buddies bothered to help him out. And so he gets a job slopping hogs, which is about as rock bottom as it gets for a Jewish boy because pigs were considered unclean. And you know that you've hit rock bottom when pig food starts to look good. But even that wasn't available. So he's hungry, he's broke, he's lost, he smells like pigs. And it says he came to himself. Well, he got what he deserved. 
Now, Jesus stopped there. If that had been the end of the story, we would be reassured, wouldn't we, that the wheels of justice really do work efficiently. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus tells us the young man woke, woke up, he came to his senses, a light bulb went on, so to speak, thinking if dad would take me back as a slave, my life would be better than being out here with the pigs. So he packs up his meager belongings, and on the way back, he begins to rehearse his apology. Dad, I messed up. I'm not worthy to be called your son, but could you find your heart to give me a job as one of your servants? We can almost picture him, can't we, as he's trudging back to Dad. He looks like a beggar. His shirt is ripped, barely hanging on. His pants are in tatters, his hair unkempt. He's unshaven. His feet are dirty and dusty and bruised and worn. He aren't gloating over the mismanagement of his inheritance and what it brought him. Maybe you're pleased that this young man has to eat crow. There's big plans for all what he was going to do with his inheritance went down the tubes. And it would only end up with a servant's job, if that. And so the magician has our attention. And then he rivets our attention more forcefully because just when you expect that dad is going to make this kid bow his face in the dirt, lick his dad's sandals, and plead, grovel for mercy, what does Jesus do? He gives us this unexpected twist. He runs out to greet him as though his son were some dignitary. Dad throws a filet mignon on the grill arranges a home banquet complete with music and singing. In front of everyone, he puts a ring on his finger, Johnson and Murphy's shoes on his feet, a heart shafter and Mark's suit on his shoulders. We say, what? That's not fair. After all he did to his dad and said to his dad, that's not fair. Yet the magician smiles and continues. Because now it's time to introduce the character with whom he knows we'll be eager to identify. The elder son. And when dad explains to the elder son what all the hoopla is about, the elder son expresses our indignation. He says, I've slaved for you all these years. I've never disobeyed you, never given you grief. You've never thrilled me so much as a pizza party. I'm not celebrating the return of this son of yours as though he were some welcome hero. And we bystanders are thinking, finally. Finally, there's someone with a thinking head on his shoulders. Finally, there's the voice of justice. The indolent father needs a wake-up call, and thankfully... The elder son had the guts to deliver the goods. And the magician smiles even more. And he has us firmly in his grasp. 
And we can't wait to hear how dad is going to answer that. Will dad wake from his sleep, sleep of injustice? What do you say to that, dad? Son, he begins. Did you notice the father never disowns his sons? Now maybe the word, effect of his word escaped you because you were all into the harsh treatment of the prodigal, but in case you miss it, the elder son has heaped quite an insult on his dad, hasn't he? He said, I've slaved for you all these years. Wow. Really? That's how you think of your generous dad? A slave master? You think dad's made your life confined and miserable? Think he's treated you with one, like one of his higher hands that he's given you slave quality food and slave quality accommodations? And then there are these other words. These, this son is of yours. Are you saying that you aren't part of this family? Are you implying that you are not brothers? You, he and you are not brothers? That you don't have the same mother? But dad has chosen to ignore these insults. Son, he says. And then he reassures him that this welcome home has nothing to do, nothing to damage the relationship between them. He said, all that is mine is yours. It's fiend to celebrate and be glad for this mother. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now we know. Now we get it. The sleight of hand trick distracted us from the prodigal son stuff to sneak up us, upon us and confront us with our own elder son's sins of resentment. To face us with our own elder son's sins of begrudging forgiveness to those who we don't think deserve it. To meet us with our own elder son's sins of disrespect for a father whose love for us is still intact because he has mercy on all. On all those whose sins are visible and those whose sins are hidden in the heart. And thanks to the skillful storytelling, we didn't even see it coming. But how does the story end? Will the elder brother join the party? Will he embrace the outrageous grace of the father who forgives his sons anything? Will he embrace his brother? The thing is, in this story, as in many of Jesus' parables, he just sort of lets it drop, lets us hang, lets us wonder what happens next. But how about you? How you finish this story says a lot about you. If you think that the elder son should hold his ground, that he should refuse to enter the celebration, that he should 
begrudge his father's grace. Well, Jesus shakes his head in sorrow. You don't get that you're in God's family by the same forgiving love that sent the Father's Son to the cross for those sinners who think, you think, are worse than you. It's fitting that those who do not forgive as they have been forgiven remain outside the party because that's where they will spend eternity. Outside the endless celebration of God's endless love and forgiveness. But those who rejoice in the, with the angels over one who repents will enter into the feast. We enter by that same act of love by the Father, giving his Son into death on a cross by which the prodigal enters. And they will find just as much of a Father's welcome as any prodigal. Jesus sought and saved us from the pig pen. Even before we had the bright idea to make a confession or try to cut a religious deal, he joined us in the slop of our sin. He became our sin. He died our death. He rose from the dead. He became lost so that we might be found in him. And the father had to celebrate because his son was dead and is alive again. And that same father rejoices and celebrates over each of you in Jesus. Because in Jesus, you die and live. You were lost in your sin, but you're found in Jesus. There has to be rejoicing. There has to be a party. So again, the question, how does the story end for you? Amen. And now may the peace of God will surpass all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.